Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices a practical guitarist will love. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Practical Guitarist, or on Twitter as at Practical Guitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com. And donate to us via Patreon, available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hi, Jim. Hi, David. Happy New Year. Uh, is it? This is, is the first happy time we've actually, we've actually recorded in the New Year. Shit, man, this is the first evening I spent at my house entirely. Oh. I've been in the hospital with my brother for the last week. I want everybody to know that uh, David's not going to tell you this, and I'm not going to give him give out any um, it, hard information. But David has been uh, pretty um, family oriented for the last. Uh, week. Yeah, I've been in the I've been in the hospital. I'm no, I'm going to talk about it. I yeah, spent the last uh, week in the hospital, pretty much. Um, and uh, my brother got he he got uh, the flu, and then uh, very promptly ended up with viral pneumonia, and then bacterial pneumonia. And bacterial pneumonia basically put him in the hospital. He's been in there. He got out today, actually. Um, and he'd been in there since Sunday. So been wow. there a full week. Um, oh, I'm glad he got out. Yeah. Because um, last we talked, you were still going. That was yesterday? Day before? Yeah, I, I was like- up there. I was up there yesterday and the day before that. I was up there Friday all day. I don't think, actually, I don't think he went on a Sunday. I think he went in on uh, New Year's Day. So he went to the emergency room and then he ended up getting, uh, getting indicted to the hospital. (laughs) I call it indicted because nobody wants to stay there, but (laughs) he's um, on parole. (laughs) Yeah, no, he's out on parole right now. I was just talking to him a little bit ago. He's, he's doing well for for anybody who, uh, who knew about it and, uh, said best wishes and stuff. He's doing well. So he's, he's going to be back on his feet real soon. Um, but everything all is well in the, the whole kingdom. Uh, we, and we've all been sick over the last two weeks. I mean, we all had the flu and stuff. I was the only one that got it for like 15 minutes, you know? So, wow. Um, but, uh, that's cause I already had the flu back in November. So when I got this year's strain again, it was like, <laughs> yeah, yay. yeah, it was like, it was like, here, have a fever for a couple hours and then yep. it just went away. So, uh, well, that's good for you. Yeah. Yeah. It worked, worked out. So, uh, I, I, I spent, um, <laughs> I spent some money on some spare parts for, okay. uh, for that Ibanez. Uh, if anybody was watching today, I did a, uh, <laughs> I did a 
uh, like a one and a half hour Facebook live video of myself to- basically tuning the guitar. I mean, it was bad. Um, that freaking ZR trim, uh, you know, it's it's dirt simple. It's just a Floyd Rose with this other spring that attaches to it. Right, runs on two, supposedly ball bearing posts. Yes, it supposedly makes it more stable. Yeah. So first off, I've already decided just just in putting it on. I left the original nut in place, but it had grooves worn in it. I probably should have replaced it. It just means that somebody was ratcheting down way too tight. So now that there's grooves worn in it, it's going to be harder to grab the string. Um, It seems to be real stable now. I mean, I could just go like this on the bar and I'm, I'm hitting my, my chest as hard as I can. Uh, But, but uh, I don't like the, I don't like the trim system at all. It's at a funny angle. Right. Um, right. I'm probably going to have to bend the bar or something in order to get it to where I want it. And it just kind of sucks, but, um, a free guitar. So I can't complain. Uh, and it plays okay. Um, so I don't know what I'm going to use it for right now. And the funny thing is, you know, the, the big selling feature, Oh, it's got the ZR system in it. Jim, what am I holding in my hand right now? I just ripped that son of a bitch out. (laughs) It's useless. I've heard Um, a lot about well, I, you do have. I'm not saying that you that the expensive models are better. I don't know, but I do know that you are. You do have more a less expensive model than say a. Well, say, the ZR was put on Prestige's at one point. Yeah, yeah. The original See, ZR. I have heard the ZR two, which was an improvement, and now now they don't make anything on a ball bearing over there. No. So um, they actually the, had the Zero Edge, uh, which was like the same bridge with actual like blades, and then. Well, those who know those who know ball bearings know yeah you gotta lubricate them and all that that this guy trashed this bridge i mean this guitar was a mess i had to take the bridge out basically take the whole thing apart make sure there were no missing pieces clean things up i think i'm missing one o-ring there's an o-ring for the fine tuners oh and i just said screw it like it'll work without it and it does you just gotta be careful because you can crack it if you're not careful but um If nothing else, it's a free piece of wall out eventually. Yeah, but eventually. It's, it's kind of like when Lars Ulrich sold his uh, his paintings. Um, it kind of be it, it might actually be kind of yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about from some kind of monster. <laughs> yeah. Those paintings were disgusting. At I least actually, to my eyes, as you know, I just watched that, and uh, I had to uh, yeah. Those paintings were horrendous. I was like, oh great, an eight year old did some paintings and yeah. got millions of dollars for it. Just because well, his name was Lars, Lars Ulrich. Well, People this stop kissing his ass. Well, this this shitty Ivan as I got, like the top is not even good looking on it. And honestly, um, the coolest thing on it is there's some bird's eye figuring in the in the maple neck. But mm-hmm. what I was thinking was like, well, I could rip the ZR out and put a hardtail on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Are on Earth. Rip the ZR off, put a hardtail on it. And before you do that, take everything off. And and pull a Jimi Hendrix, pour some lighter fluid <laughs> on it, set it on well, fire, and then see what it comes up to. Well, I was laughing because this dude. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I could like burn the finish off. And, yeah, like, yeah. Um, I was thinking about when that actually is not a bad idea. Uh, when I saw this um, this guitar initially, like, and the and the S series in general, they're I mean they're pretty sharp looking guitars. I just don't think that body style. I know that we've got people that have S's in the group, so I'm not trying to insult him, but I just don't think a body style works for me. Right. I think it's too thin. Yep. I feel like I'm going to break it the whole time I'm playing it. Yep. Um, and I, put, I put one in my son's hands. We were at Guitar Center. We put an S series in his hands just to 
see how he felt about it because he's got the strat, right? And um, he loves the strat. He did not like the S series at all. Well, he's, Jeff from Jeff from Good Time, he's got that that S hardtail, and that looks pretty pretty nice. So I may I may do that at some point. Um, I think I'm going to light the guitar on fire before I do that. I might just block that bridge and because I don't really like the tremolo action in it that much. I mean, I'll play around with it. Maybe I'll get used to it. Um, my wife walked in. She goes, oh, you finally got your metal guitar back because I was doing all the, you know, the dives and squeals. And stuff. I mean, the, but, um, the funny thing is you could take something like that. You can. Well, you're going to get a you're if I understand right. Eventually, you're going to get a tremolo. There's, so, a, there's a new guitar in the works that may or may not have a trim on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and uh, it's nice to have somebody who cares. Anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, who really cares enough yes, to let me spend a, lot, a bunch of money. A lot. Um, so <clears throat> speaking of that, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to read a heartfelt message. It's from one of our, one of our uh, <laughs> listeners. His name is James Shear. And he writes, Dear Abby, hi, Jim. I'm Jim. I'm a guitaraholic. I play all the time. I think about guitars all the time. I want to buy guitars all the time. I can't drive past a guitar shop without going in. Yes, I have a guitar in one hand and a laptop in the other. Please help. I go online when my wife is sleeping and check out guitar sites, YouTube, Sweetwater. A practical guitarist. Signed, heartbroken in Albany. All right, so um, that it, I I I <laughs> added a little bit to that, but yes, yes, everything from "Hi, I'm Jim" and uh, the practical guitarist. That's all in there for real. Um, I just I just read it a different way. So um, yeah, so it, uh, David is is uh, working on his year of no gear. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is, <laughs> it just means I haven't bought anything yet. <laughs> the key word at this um, point, I'm at this point. It's basically over, folks. Um, it's been over for for a while. I looked for every available loophole to purchase things, and and was very successful in doing so. Um, yeah. Now I'm trying to watch my wallet. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to watch my weight, and you're trying to watch your wallet. Uh, so, I'm trying to watch my weight too, and that's not doing so hot either. Well, I've watched it keep going up. Yeah, I watch um, it increase daily daily. <laughs> so James, I, I have one piece of advice to you. Fuck it. You live once. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What, what David and I are trying to do. I'm um, gonna check in the hospital. And and I didn't do a very good job. Um, but I'm gonna start here after this month and I'll tell everybody what I'm going to be doing here in the next few days. But um but I I um I intend to go in two years. So that means January of 2021 will be my first purchase. So this show for two years is going to go um, following me through trying to make things work correctly. Um, so all that said, here's what um, I've done recently. And David knows about one thing and not the other. Well, he kind of knows about the other, but um, I know he's... enough. Yeah. All right. So one thing I, I got this week, I got a, um, a Mesa boogie, uh, would you call it feel cabinet? Yeah, it's a feel which cab, is, one by 12. Yeah, it's a one by 12. Um, Black Shadow. Uh, See, or, that's the, yeah, so it's Black Shadow. No, so that's their version of the V30, I think. Yes, yes. It, it, it almost 
I mean, when you look at it, even I thought it was a V30 at first. Well, so it's a weird, I, I, just to give our show, show listeners a little background. So Mesa bought all of the British V30s. They had them sitting in a warehouse and they've been actually doling them out in certain cabinets. But in the meantime, they also started producing the Black Shadow, which there's a couple of different, so they have like a C90 that they have, that they do, which is yeah. based on Elite 80. And then they have the the regular Black Shadow supposed to be a little bit higher power handling uh, E30. Right. Yeah, this was a, it's called the classic. Hey, Jim, you can run into those, you can run into those, um, those steel cabs because I saw one today with yeah. EVs in them. With what? An EV. Wow. I would not do that. <laughs> but I wanted the Black Shadow and I saw this. And, and when I told David the price, he goes, yeah, get it. Yeah. And so I did. No brainer. It was like 300 bucks. It's no big deal. Yep. All right. So um, I've also gotten something else. And this is, this is something I went against. This, the, the Black Shadow, the, the, the Mesa Boogie cabinet was, was David's recommendation. I went against Riz, David's recommendation. I bought the, um, for similar money, I purchased uh, a um, TC Electronics. Uh, G system. Yeah, for those system. of you who yeah. know the G system, that thing is about 10 years old. Matter of fact, this year I think it turned 10. Uh, mine isn't that old, but it's not exactly young. It would probably be it's, around. Well, the tech in it is still the same. I mean, that's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All they did was some changes. They tweaked the front end um, on different serial numbers. You can look up the serial numbers. Mine falls into the, you know, that serial number set that's got the newest tweaks to the front end to make it a little better. But again, it's still old tech, and you're absolutely right. Um, you can tell the minute you open up the computer um, interface, and it looks like it was written by a high schooler in the 90s. Yeah, you better keep an old computer laying around. <laughs> oh, no, but it worked great with my Windows 10 computer. For now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but all that said, um, so I got it home, and I turned it on, and it works perfectly. you gotta give, you got to give two things to that old tech. One, it's simplistic. But two, and more importantly, it's this thing's built like a tank. Um, and you can take the brains of it, pull it out, and rack mount the brain. It comes rack mounted inside the device. You can just unscrew yeah, the screws yeah. and throw it in a rack. You don't have to have any special stuff. Yeah, they, were, um, they were pretty cool. Um, I actually was looking at one not that long ago. Um, if one fell into my lap for a hundred bucks or so, I might. Yeah. Yeah. And I may, I paid more than that, but, um, not the same as the Mesa, but the, but the thing is that when I got it, of course I couldn't just stop there. Um, I also purchased a, a treadle to, um, you know, go with it. So I got a, a Jin Dunlop volume X, which mm -hmm. is the expression pedal that, uh, Dunlop made, uh, volume slash, um, pedal so i hooked it up and it worked great uh, you know um i saw you know but i can say this it is not unless you have some background with this stuff first of all you got to remember so this is 2000 yeah that thing was based on the the g-force which was right. that rack mount like really hardcore effects unit um yeah guess what i saw for 139 dollars in the same store today the 
rack mount version the rack mount g-force or whatever yeah the g uh it's called the g well the g system but they yeah. had the, they had so they had the g system and i think it was and like the, a g-force and then they yeah. came up with that thing that you have yes so and so yeah it's so it was 139 dollars, <laughs> which i didn't think was bad if you were going to go with that it's kind of like kind of like an x ax effects um way before x well the g the g system didn't do it didn't do any amp modeling or anything like that no that's what modulation delays and reverb <laughs> right and that's what the g system does and when it when asked <clears throat> why um they don't have overdrive in it i thought this was was um a good idea or a good thing they said because people buy their own overdrives even well, way back then they were like most people don't want them built in and you've got to remember at that time there weren't any good multi-effects um uh overdrives or distortion yeah, that's, debat- that's debatable i mean digitech digitech had the gp 11 series thing that and, yep. they, and some of their companies I mean, like there's the Rock Tron Prophecy. You could argue to a lesser extent, and they're not so digital, but like Marshall had their two preamp and also their solid state preamp. Yep. Um, at the ADA MP1. I mean, there were a lot of rack style effects units that were just doing distortion and drive, like that right. one. You know? um, the thing was with, with TC, and this is the way that they, they really played it, which was that we know we can't do decent digital drive. Right. So bring your own. Right. Like that's kind of where they were going with it. And they provide you back then, um, which is why I thought the M3 was funny. Back then they had four loops built into this thing, Mm -hmm. four programmable loops. um, And they have uh, in this, which kind of outdoes that, which nobody's doing, I thought was weird. They have all your nine volt and uh, whatever voltage um, power. So you have a, yeah, built-in power. ISO right. power supply built into the rack too. Well, theoretically, if you're running the boss rig, like their dream rig, you'd be running an MS3. You'd be running a TU two or three in the front. You could and power you, off of. You can run power off that. <clears throat> and that's kind of what they're thinking. But that the but that's MS3 not isolated. Is not a complete. Well, it's not isolated. I'm not sure that the one that you've got is completely yeah, isolated. I don't know if they're real isolated. isolated inside. Yeah, I'm but sure. it's but it's definitely it's got nine volt plugs on it and that's nice yeah um yeah, six of them it really would do me a whole lot of good because some of the effects i use you can't even use a freaking <laughs> you can't even use power with them that makes me feel terrible um yes. i was just laughing because uh i was thinking about like well yeah the ms3 i i looked at initially as the spiritual successor to that but having owned the es8 um yeah. the ms3 is kind of its own thing because i don't i know yes. The G system doesn't do all the amp switching. It doesn't do nope. stereo. It doesn't. Oh, yes, it does amp switching. Does it? But it doesn't do stereo amps? Nope. Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Stereo amp. I can run up to three amps at a time. Um, and I can do uh, four, what they now call four cable. Um, I'd, be inter- and- I'd be interested to know how, how well the amp switching works on that because I've had problems with various, like the Helix, the amp switching does not play universally really thing is designed does not work with everything don't let them tell you it fucking does oh no yeah cannot switch the reverb on and off in in a mesa boogie uh mark 525 yeah that is and and as far as i'm concerned that's a deal breaker on the switching in that thing because it's not that hard it's it's on and off like what the hell guys um so and and there's been no patch like they're not even attempting to update it because 
really there's a, I, there's a couple other amps that have minor issues like that because of the they use the same switching scheme but they're like not making any you know move to try and fix it you've got to um, wonder well um obviously mesa's probably using something similar right they're using the trs right yes yeah, it's, it's trs it's on all it, it, it's weird uh, how it's set up it's but yeah it's trs and they're just using it in a weird way um and they just i for, for lack of a better word i th- i just don't think line six gives a shit i think their product they they put all this fancy switching shit in it they put loops in it but here's the problem the loops don't have switchable buffers. The loops aren't adjustable, so you can't you can't set the input signal level coming in and out. Really? The, uh, yes. Which I'm sorry, but on a fifteen hundred dollar piece of gear, that's a necessity. Um, yeah. You could do that in the ES8, and it's only eight hundred bucks. <clears throat> you can um, do it in it, this one. There's no analog mixer inside the the um, uh, the helix, so everything is you know once it gets converted then it's getting converted in and out in and out again and again so for every loop you add you're gonna have signal degradation it might not be a lot but there's enough there that you know it might it might be an issue if you're running a certain pedal and it it cuts off a high or adds some digital artifacts or something you you know what i'm saying like it could be it could be problematic later um no power on it uh which the es8 did not provide power either so i'm not complaining there but my biggest complaint about the goddamn thing is that the amp switching is like an afterthought they have no desire to fix it. They're not going to work on it. It is not even in their list of trouble tickets because as far as they're concerned, the people that are buying the Helix are not buying it for the switching functions. They're buying it as a modeler. Fine. Then pump, don't put them in the fucking box. Right, don't right. think I'm buying something that I'm not. Yeah. I mean, amp switching is a relative, a very easy. I mean, usually a two-button foot switch three-button foot switch that should be pretty well, the problem easy. is the problem is some of them are on off some of them are um, momentary. some of them are momentary which is what i'm dealing with is momentary versus latching yep. and uh whether it's latching in neutral or latching in positive you know like negative or positive like <laughs> it, it, it's just a fucking now, i'm not gonna sit here and lie and say this thing is the cat's meow for but for its time yeah. uh because you can't, you can't, I, like, I can't put well, still very this usable. before this and this before that. Yeah, They're so you always, couldn't move anything around. Right? right, but I can put them in parallel or in series. Right. It, it can go, okay, I don't want those in series, my modulation and filter and, and delay and reverb, sure. so I'm going to throw them in a parallel thing. So there are, there are ways to stack them in parallel slash series things, but the, the loops are always series to each other. Which makes sense because the the objective of the loop in this thing is to have yeah I mean they they were making pedals. bones about those loops being anything but distortion pedal loops right those are distortion pedal loops they build their own overdrive in it has a each each one has um, its own overdrive settings you can set things globally I mean everybody's done this with these types of things what I found was interesting is those things you're talking about um, the, the I could change the the you know the levels. Um, going in to eat with each of these things. I suspect that yours actually has an analog mixer, and yeah, that's, that's all handled in an analog space. Yeah, that's Whereas what Line 6 was like, no, that we're not going to do that. The ES8 talks about it in the manual. Their analog mixer that they developed for that damn thing is like yeah. serious business. Yeah. And it talks about why you can only do certain things because there's actually physical limitations because of the way that the circuit board is wired and everything. Which so makes sense. It's very sophisticated um, analog tech inside the yes. ES8. Um, a lot of people, when they saw it come out, went, oh, it's going to convert it to digital and it'll be digital path throughout. That thing is analog. The only thing digital in there is the, is the brain that controls the switching. Right, right. So, 
<laughs> and I think that's that's the case here. Um, but anyway, it, it um, the, the thing that that amazed me, other than the fact that it was hard, so I reached out to a guy that used to have a channel, and he only quit doing it three years ago. And now what does he do? He does Helix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this guy named Scott, who used to sell his uh, um, his patches for it, and I talked him out of 450 patches. So, um, you know, and, but I reached out to him. I said, I can't figure this shit out. And he goes, he goes, Jim. Um, you know, I don't miss that shitty menu, but here's what I found out. And he, and he sent me videos that he had already done. He played, yeah. he probably did a hundred and something videos, all of the G system. And, um, I think I remember seeing some of those. Yeah. And he, he did every single one of them. It's a, how do you do this? How do you do this? And then he'd talk about his weekly patches. Here's my Gilmore patches. And then he would like read a book while you heard the, yeah. Stuff. So it was. It was pretty funny, um, and, and his uh, channel was pretty good. But the big thing was, you know, I talked about him. He had 80s, 90s metal, and the person that had it here was in a band like what I'm doing. So he was in a variety band, and so his need, his name was Steve, um, and his need for it was what I'm trying to do with it. Um, the only downside I've got for this thing, well, there's two. It's big, and it's heavy. I mean, this thing weighs a ton. Um, that's also the upside, though, because yeah. it is built like a freaking tank. Yeah, they it were built really tough. But it's built like a tank. And these switches, they're not for, like, these are not your mini switches. Some of these switches are bigger than mini pedals, like those little more pedals. Remember those yeah, more pedals that yeah. are really, like this big? These they're switches are really all- big, yeah. Um. I don't know. I let me know how you feel about it in a couple of weeks, because yeah, yeah, I, you know, there's going to be some honeymoon like when you first get it and you play around, and I want to see what it what like when you actually start using it. Because I my first thing with the Helix was like, yeah, this is great. I can program whatever I want, and I can make it do whatever I want on the fly. But then I started to realize, like, after I had it a while, I was like, yeah, but you know, certain things in here are lacking. Like the drive pedals are not great. Like they're good, but they're not great. The the um. That the stuff I have in my cabinet is better. So I was like, well, I can use this stuff in my cabinet. So I started patching that stuff in. I'm like, ugh, these loops are terrible. Like, I don't know why people are thinking these loops are great. I guess you just have to modify the shit out of your settings or something to get it to sound right. Right. Um, and I, I, just, I don't know. Just let me know how it goes because I'm, I'm, I'm really curious. I'd like to see more products like this. I think the MS3 was kind of like rubbed the right alley. I don't yes. think the MS3 has the same like mixing system that's in the ES5. So what I'm thinking, no. maybe the wave of the future is to see more switching systems like the ES5 and the ES8 yeah. with yeah. cabinet modeling somewhere on the board and you or just make your own shit and put your own board together. Like, Well, even, like even if they made, even if they built um, a system like the Blue Guitar has um, where they come up with a, with a modeler box mm-hmm. um, and whether or not they, um, I would imagine with Boss, they would have where you could upload your own models. But the ability to have this box where, you know, if you look at what Thomas Blue did with that Blue Guitar box, the Blue Box, yeah. it's, it's 16 cabinets and models. There are, there are some of those things starting to come out. Digitech came out with one. Yep. Blue Box is out there. There, yep. are, there are various other devices. Palmer's been making speaker simulators for years. Torpedo... Torpedo, uh, yeah, that's the good stuff. One. Um, I, I mean, the, the day of the impulse response ending up on people's pedal boards is coming, 
and his guitar right. becomes less and less important to the band setting um we're going to be looking at less and less amps on stage which we've already started to see and more and more how can we get the pedal board to sound just like an amp so we can go direct into the pa but here's my question when it comes to these pedal boards how much does their tone wood affect the pedal board and i think that that's a good segue into our next <laughs> our next discussion that tone wood mine's made out of aluminum <laughs> oh my god so i guess that brushed aluminum I guess the tone would deblate, 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 deflated. Has, yeah, has reared its ugly head yet again. Here's the, yeah, we talked about it last time. I think I, I mentioned that we were not going to talk about this, or and if we ever did, I'd kill myself. Apparently, oh. I'll be hanging myself yes. later this evening. <laughs> Besides, no joke, folks. But uh, you guys pulled the trigger, so yep, yep, you pulled the triggers. So here we are. <laughs> here we are talking about tone wood woods. That have tones. Here's the thing <clears throat> that I want to say. When it obviously it, it's obvious, everybody knows it's obvious when it comes to acoustic guitars, because it's easy. I can tell the difference between a Sitka and you know different types of woods. I know what I like. I might not be able to tell you that's a you know that's a this top with with this bracing, but I can tell you that sounds really nice. And acoustically, those things happen. Um, but I can tell you that any sound engineer will tell you this. When it comes to live acoustic music, the hardest thing to do for an acoustic guitar, make it sound like an acoustic guitar. And, and uh, I remember a sound engineer telling me this because the problem is once you electrify it, it's electric again. And so most people, you're not miking the acoustic guitar on stage. Some people do, but most people don't. Therefore, you're using a pickup system, so you've taken away some of that effect of tone wood, so to speak. Now, all that said, anyone, only a fool would tell you that you only need a block of wood to get a piezo system to work. <coughs> so now we get to tone wood, and and I and I want to be more specific because we were <clears throat> somebody posted this. Um, what was it? Fifteen things that guitarists are. Uh, get, oh, we're talking get, about this this moron. That would be yeah. Nick, actually. Um, no, Nick wasn't the moron. No, no, he posted the, the video, guy. but right. the other idiot was on it. And I've watched many of his videos, and he's often full of shit. Yes, he's a good. He seems like a good character, and he seems like he, you know, he's he likes to he likes to to push people's buttons. But he it's loves really him. clear. But he but that's with a smile and like he's yep. telling the truth. Yeah, yeah. But oh he yeah, knows he's pushing yeah. buttons. Damn Canadians! That's yeah. that's where Stevie T gets it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so, um, uh, anyway, Daryl Brunel, I think is the, is the guy's name or Brunel. Um, <clears throat> he, he posted a thing about 15 things the guitarists say, um, are, are buckets. And all right. So David and I both look, both watched the video. One of the things was, does the, um, does the wood on the neck on the fretboard affect the tone? Yes. And then, and then he don't even watch it. Don't even need to watch it. Yes. Yeah. I did watch it, of course, but. But that's just it. I. I no, it's like, more about the, the the color. That's what he basically says. Like more about the color and the look of the guitar. And uh, if you heard his clip, it's not about the color and the look of the guitar. No, not at all. It's the not. difference is razor blades <clears throat> or smoothness. Yes. Like that's, I mean, honestly, when you hear it, you'll be like, 
oh my God, now I can hear this through my iPhone speakers. Like what? Yeah, that's exactly what I said. I could tell the two, the two necks apart through, I, I was listening to it through my Samsung's built-in speaker. And then he tried to make, well, that might've been because I played. You just, you just can't stand to, to accept the fact that you were wrong. I have seen, I have seen people, and I'm not saying on YouTube, I've seen people take same guitar, same electronics and swap from a rosewood to a maple neck. It's basically supposed to be the identical neck and they're night and day different. I mean, honestly, the, the, the fretboard material makes way more of an impact than people care to realize. It really does. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily that rosewood sounds different than maple, but one maple neck may sound totally different than another maple neck. And that's what I'm getting. So they say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. No, it absolutely fucking matters because you need to hear the neck before you can decide. And then he was talking about the nitro versus poly thing. That was the first one. So he talks about nitro poly, right? And he's like, yeah, guitarists think that this penish is better than this. First of all, it's how they wear. It's not about the fact that nitro yeah, and poly. It, there's an aesthetic quality to it. It's how exactly. they wear. It's, um, I mean, polyurethane. So if you have a poorly applied poly finish, it's like yep. really thick. It's going to, it's not going to really affect the, the resonance of the guitar the way people think no. it does because ultimately you've still got parts <laughs> on the guitar that are going to vibrate, right. but it, but it's gross. It'll stick it to you. I mean, it, my, the whole reason why um, when it gets hot and humid. my next guitar will be a satin finish is because I don't want to stick to it anymore. Like, oh, especially right. the style of playing I've been doing lately, it's become a real issue. Um, You're talking to a guy that has played for years and always rolls up his sleeves. Mm-hmm. And I always the same thing. sweat between me and the guitar. Yeah, I do. And I thing. want that where I want somebody to go, wow, that's where you played it. Well, and the uh, thing is, yeah, you want that where because it's also going to make it more comfortable too. Exactly. <laughs> it makes that's why people buy guitars that are pre relic. No, is they buy them because they look cool, Jim. Oh, didn't you yeah. know? <laughs> no. um, and then another thing he tried to debunk was semi hollow versus versus um I'm like, if you can't that one, me, that one killed me when he said that the semi hollow guitar versus a solid body guitar, they basically sound the same. It's just you're a fucking lighter. idiot. Yeah, you're, yeah, a you're wrong. Idiot. You're wrong. That's comp- I, I will call your bullshit all day long on that one. Now, yep. I'm not saying all semi hollow guitars are night and day different, but the ones that he tested in the video were night and day different. And I'm like, what are you going on about? That's right. That's like saying the 335 is going to be exactly the same as the Les Paul. You're you fucking never, mind. <laughs> exactly. That's never going to happen. You could pull the pickups in and out. And that the goes pickups right might to, be the same. <laughs> no, I'm saying you could swap the pickups. Yeah. I mean, classic 57s in one and classic. I can tell you right now, classic 57s in this sound different than the cla- classic 57s in the Les Paul. Yeah. It just because does. the body shape is different, <laughs> thicker. The other thing is your Les Paul is damn near hollow anyway now because <laughs> it's so fucking chambered. Um, Gibson is Gibson is still selling their sw- their uh, swamp mahogany, so they've uh, they've been uh, going and, and routing out most of the bodies now. Um, if you were unaware, and then uh, I I mean just 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 the thought of playing a um uh, a semi hollow like mirror versus a versus a regular mirror. Yeah, there's a reason you buy the semi hollow. There's a reason that people buy the solid versus the semi hollow. Like right. those choices are not aesthetic in nature. No, no, and they're it's not just weight. 
I mean, not- they might be to an extent. Somebody might go, oh, I right. want the F-hole. But like the reality is there's a lot more to it than that. Absolutely. Um, Turn it up. Then- see what happens. Just, just see how the guitar feeds back. And you'll know instantly whether or not this makes a difference. Exactly. I'm getting a headache thinking about this stupid video. And then you've got the, and then he talked about the difference in a pedal between a power supply and a nine volt battery. And I, and and I'm telling you, that's another one that is not bullshit. It's not every pedal. It doesn't. Most Yeah. I mean, most of your modern pedals are not going to have a problem. They're not going to, right. Because they, they have circuits that fix the the voltage. You you know what, you know what kind of pedals I like to play. And, yes. and I hunt and that, carbon zinc batteries for a reason. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, anybody who thinks that that's bullshit, like try it sometime. Record, don't, don't, don't play it. Take the back off, pull the battery out, put another battery in, screw it back together and then play it again. Right. Record it. Record and then it. A, B, that thing, play the same clip. I guarantee you, you'll hear a difference, <laughs> especially if the pedal is like a vintage fuzz pedal. Absolutely. We'll hear a difference. And the, batteries are preferred. And, and a starving battery will change the tone of those old pedals. Yeah. Especially the, the, the old ones specifically. Anything that has a charge pump, anything modern that's designed to operate with a dying battery, you, you'll find that a lot of manufacturers have kind of insulated themselves from that over the years by designing pedals that have better battery circuits and they don't have problems. Like tube screamers are not going to be affected by a dying battery, for example. But you're going to run into a lot more issues, say, you know, with a vintage pedal that's true bypass with no uh, with no uh, buffers or anything like in it. You're, that's where you're going to see your your differences. And it's uh, wah pedals. I mean, I specifically wah pedals. That's why things like the dead bat exists, which is a it's a nine volt power supply basically hooked up to a um to a potentiometer so you can drain the bit you can right. simulate a drained battery <laughs> I, i'll tell you right now because um <clears throat> all right so uh, of course this isn't a pedal this is the amp but angus young uh uses a, a power conditioner that's very specialized he gets them from japan and what this does is this device starves the amp yeah for power. it's basically a variac right and he does it right basically it's a variac ver- um a little better because but the the tech his tech will tell you right now that it blows tubes all day long uh, if i recall correctly his tech actually said they were using a variac and that was even worse yes why they switched to the japanese the, 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 right but they could dial in the thing they likes now with this system yeah the voltage. dial the exact voltage well, the, well that's there's <laughs> truth to that stuff with old marshall's um, I, I know that, uh, like I've heard various builders over the years, one of the guys being Jeff Bober say that I like to run my marshals at a specific voltage. And he mentioned what it was. And he said, I've compared notes with other guys, including people like Eddie Van Halen's tech, and they're all running them at the same level. So it's just like Marshall didn't, re- didn't realize that people would want them to run at a specific voltage and didn't design them that way. So and it's like it's like 129 volts or some shit. Like it's some weird yeah. like that. Yeah, it's some weird number like that. It's it's like a just a couple volts off. Yeah, yeah. And it's just enough to starve it to the point that it gives you some kind of weird buzz or whatever. Um, another thing you talked about was vintage pickups versus new pickups. Now, of course, we'll we'll talk to Nick Mongers again about this, but <clears throat> the fact is that um it he's right about this. Not all vintage pickups are going to sound great. 
And no. not all new pickups are going to sound bad. The fact is that these things are still, well, some, well, there are, there are more and more machine wound pickups now, but back then everything was wound by hand and somebody might consistency versus lunch break. Right. Exactly. Which he's right. He's right on this, but yep. this is one of those things where it's like, yeah, no shit. We, we've yeah. got better quality control today. So right. and it, it can be more designed exactly the way they wanted it to, you know, that's right. It, it can be more consistent at that point. That's not, that was not a myth to me. That was, well, saying that that all old vintage pickups are great is a myth. But I think anybody who's buying old vintage pickups knows that's a myth to begin with. <laughs> I mean, you're not just going and buying $1,000 um, Les Paul pickups off a of reverb without hearing them first. No. And that's just it. Um, any idiot that does this is, is again... That's where the morons jump in and say, oh, yeah. Um, the next thing he was talking about was that only certain guitars are right for certain genres. And um, <clears throat> I'm going to say that, correct to a point, to a point. That, no, that, I thought he was arguing that that was not true. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's not true. I, think I, he, I, to I totally disagree. And I, exactly. I think, I think he's correct to a point only in this point. Can I can I take a, a Les Paul and play metal with it? Certainly, it's been done. It does get done. not all guitars apply? Uh, you can apply this logic too. Can but I play classic rock with it? Yes. Can I play jazz with it? Yes. Can I play pop with it? Yes. But here's the thing: once you get to certain tune um, down tunings, that's the reason that people went to different guitars because Les Pauls do not like tune down as far as something. no. You can't. The, the intonation adjustments become problems, right. and yeah. then actually. Well, what I was going to point out, Jim, was just from an aesthetic standpoint, are you going to be the guy that plays the BC Rich, you know, bitch on stage in, 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 a, uh, in a jazz outfit? Like, exactly. what the hell? No way. No way exactly. is that realistic. Yeah, sure. It'll do the sound. But are you going to stand on stage like everybody else in the, in the outfit's got like hollow bodies and like the jazz players doing his thing on a jazz bass? And yep. maybe he's got an upright bass. You're standing there with a BC Rich, you know, Warlock. That weighs 18 pounds. Yeah. It's made out of, it's yeah. made out of solid granite. <laughs> <laughs> and these people are out of their mind. I mean, I, or, or, uh, what's the, uh, the LTD uh, F1000 or whatever, the one that's, yeah. yeah. Well, how about my Spider-Man Spider RG? <laughs> I, that, actually, that crosses a lot of genres, but... um. Yeah, I, I that's just absolutely ridiculous. Nobody's gonna do that. Right. You can sit there and pretend like now there will be people that will say things like, Well, the SG is really not made for, you know, listen, those classic guitars, the SG, the the Les Paul, the Stratocaster, Stratocaster, the Telecaster, Telecaster. um, even the Flying V and yep. some of those guitars will play any genre you want them to, and nobody's right. gonna say a fucking word because they're classics. Because and they've been there point. and they've done that. Those guitars have been there, done that. You can, you know, you can say all you want about a, um, a Stratocaster not being um, uh, a metal guitar, but obviously you haven't met Dave Murray from Iron Maiden. No, and you know what? The Stratocaster is the one that gets abused a lot more than others, but it's not just Dave Murray, man. Dave Murray. Um, I'm just, I'm just pointing out one. That's yeah, I mean, but Richie Blackmore, Ingvay Malmsteen, yeah. like yep. there's a whole pantheon of guys that come and before uh, yeah and uh, exactly and before uh ibanez was building for steve Vai, 
What are they doing? Knocking off strats and exactly. And Eddie Van Halen. So yeah, yeah, they've been there. They've done that. That's what I'm saying. Um, And then his next thing to make sure I got it right was uh, where he goes. um, The the strat headstock. He said that the you know that the small headstock and the big headstock. That is an aesthetic thing all day long to me. Yeah, I mean, there are some guys that prefer the big headstock and they claim that it gives them a little extra sustain and stuff. But, you know, people have done tests with the fat finger, you know, the brass fat finger sustainer that clamps on the headstock. Those yep. things don't do shit. Nope. You know, that, do not not enough to, to really, I mean, yeah, they do, but it, it's not enough to really even necessitate needing one. Now, what no. would be cool is if fat finger would make a product it clamps onto your headstock. It has a little motor in it. <clears throat> and yeah. When it, when it gets activated by by vibration, the motor turns on, and then you have a sustainer. Yeah. That would yeah. be cool. Yeah, it would. Um, the next thing you talk about was boiling strings, and that you can get your tone back from boiling strings. I will. I will say this from having come from that those years. I have boiled strings. Who boiled strings? Yeah, but this was back when it was out of necessity. Didn't have money. Or you didn't have the place to buy them. Look, I was cheap, man. I was out of necessity for me too. Boyer strings. No, it does not bring the tone back. But I will say this: it will take. Oh, yes, it does. One. Oh, thing. yeah, it will wear your strings strong, out faster, and it wears your strings out faster. It takes all the gunk out of strings. Listen, so what's listen. removing your? <clears throat> what's removing a lot of the tone? But this is there's there's two things going on, right? The string is stretching. I mean, the guys who build strings will tell you this. Um, maybe just to sell you strings, but. That metal is stretching. That core is stretching. Remember yeah, I've never heard that. The only thing, yeah, the core is the only thing that's being, and so it is getting micro. You know, well, you can see the flat spots in the bottom yeah, of the string where you're wearing it. But just like a fret, you're wearing it. You're wearing it. If you can't see where you're playing your string the most, you're not playing enough. <laughs> it's just because as it rides along the frets, it's getting flat spots in it. Those are going I hope to see flat spots, you know, soon. Lots of flat spots. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you but you're not getting um all you're doing is getting the skin out of the the round the wound strings. Don't even bother with the with the straight strings. So yeah, no, the boiling thing is a bunch of bullshit. Yes, like I'll be honest with you. Okay, so think about this for a minute. Cause I did this. I was I, did it with base I was strings. I was, you know, 15 or 16 years old once, and I was like, ah. I'll just boil these strings because I don't want to yep. go to the store and get new ones because I don't really have five bucks to buy them. So right. I took all my strings off. I waited till my till my mom was out of the house because I figured she'd be pissed if I threw it in her cookware. So I took I you know, of course went in the kitchen, threw a pot on there, wrapped my strings up, threw them in the thing, and uh, boiled them for like an hour because I'm sitting there going, "How long do you fucking put these things in here for?" Right? I've heard you can do this, um, and the water didn't get nasty, really. I mean, not any, nope. not any nastier than it normally would. And I finally uh, pulled the strings out, and it dawned on me. I was like, "Well, I took strings off my guitar and like unwound them, and now I've got to wind them back on the the headstock." And if you've ever done this, you know yep. that you, if you if you wrap your headstock properly, and you got like two wraps on the E, and like you know three wraps in the A or whatever. You're not going to have much to put through those those posts to get them back on there to begin with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Even more ridiculous. <laughs> and that's again, that was a bass player thing for the most part. Yeah, was, yeah. Like, you know I what think I mean? with bass strings, it would probably be more 
you would probably be more apt to see a result because the windings are bigger anyway. Right. And you get a lot more skin out of them. Yeah. But even then, but you're talking the about something not what's causing your strings to sound no. like shit. No, it's and, and that's the other thing about the core strings. So obviously the core is starting to separate. It's gonna yeah. start pulling apart. It's you got it, less material where it's contacting the fret, period. Period. Which means less material means what, folks? We've talked about this before. Less sustain, less tonality, lots of less things. Yep. Lots of dead spots. You're gonna if you want dead spots and you want less sustain, sure. Pull your strings. Yep. You know, that's that's the thing. I will tell so, you that after I did it, they were they were dead within like two, three days. Because because once you do that, you're you're introducing corrosion. Right. So. Exactly. Because you've you've gone through the coating, if there is any. No, they, there's no coating on most strings. The reality is, it's it's you're just introducing water. Doesn't, it doesn't come out of the string, right. and it just oxidizes. So you've got yep. rust within three days. Yep. You'll have rust. I mean, that's I. You may not be able to see the rust with the naked eye, but they're rusting. <laughs> but you know, it all comes from the fact that there was this one guy. I think it was James Jamerson that started it. Was um, you know, uh, boiled his strings supposedly to get rid of dirt in the strings. And oh, I thought he was the guy that left the strings on for like freaking years. 10 years or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, if you really think about it, if guitarists didn't realize there was a difference between having a fresh set of strings versus a dead, dirty, <clears throat> old, nasty set, yep. we would just wait for all our strings to break. Yep. And yeah. we would just replace individuals. And I mean, you gotta remember. Yeah. When, when James Jamerson did this, flat wounds were not the same type of flat wounds you get now. And flat wounds, um, he was looking for that flat wounds. If you haven't played them, I'm sure, I know you whole have different tonality, whole different tonality. The, they actually want very little sustain. It's more about the thump and the, and the initial curvature yep. of the tone versus a round wound, which has a more of a guitar tonality. I played right. what they called semi flats, which I think that's kind of a misnomer. It's just less of a round wound string. Yeah. It maybe. doesn't really sound like a flat wound at all. It just no. sounds like a deader round wound. It's supposed to be more for feel. Yeah. Because they they feel totally different. A lot of the guys that play flat wounds on bass play flat wounds because they like the feel. Yeah, they do feel nice. They feel very slinky, very smooth. Um, but I played flat wounds for years and then I went to round wounds. How many more? Like, how many more of this idiot's uh uh myths do we have oh, oh all right let's let's go to the last three well, actually four but because i want to bring the last one up because it's going to move to what we were talking about. all right let's bang through this quick I, i'm, I'm all right ready crap already all right the um <clears throat> uh the the tone uh, or i mean the um uh pedals that are um true bypass versus buffer okay here's the thing I, I, and again i don't know if he knows what he's talking about here a buffered pedal needs power to pass the signal because it has a buffer. Most right. of your boss pedals are buffered pedals. And I'm going to ask this. You know the answer, so I'm asking this so you can answer it. Why do you want a buffered pedal? What does a buffered pedal offer you that a, that a true bypass does not? It offers you security. Security from the people on the outside. No. <laughs> what a buffer actually does is it allows you <laughs> it allows your uh, uh your signal to, to retain its high-end clarity throughout, throughout the signal path <clears throat> now 
I'm going to jump in and, and try to end this as quickly as possible. Yes. There are times where you want to buffer, folks. And that's there are right. times where you fucking don't. That's absolutely right. right. And now Pick the right tool for the job. That's absolutely right. That's like saying, I always need a Phillips head screwdriver. Except I need, I need that flathead. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes you need a flathead screwdriver. And sometimes you need a hex key, too. <laughs> okay. So the, this one's a good one. Um, the, the, the making, the, the, the um, noiseless pickups. Tell what me. Is, what is his myth on this? His myth, he's saying, um, hold on. He said, the noiseless pickups don't sound any different than regular pickups. Patently false. (laughs) I I, I chased noiseless pickups for a really long time, and it only ended about two years ago. Um, I like the sound of noiseless. I actually prefer the sound of noiseless pickups because I like the fatter. Which ones were your favorite? Was it? Was it um, I liked no the ones I actually like to see more Duncan. Uh, the the most recent ones they've been putting out. Um, I had a whole set of those in a, a standard strat. That I bought off a coworker, and they were great. Yep. Uh, actually, it was kind of sad to see them go, but um, fat tones, yep. no, no hum, and it was not a humbucker sound at all, at all. So anybody who tells you that, look, there might be some really fancy whiz bang pickups out there that are quote unquote noiseless. It sound really close to a single coil, but I guarantee you, if you put them up next to a good Alnico single coil from like a 1961 or a 62 Strat. You know, a good set of those pickups, they're going to blow them away. They will, because the, the, you're introducing a, a separate coil with wire to, to run this pickup. It's going to change the tone. Even using a dummy coil inside a guitar changes the inductance just enough that you will notice a difference. <clears throat> uh, uh, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it because, you, you know, you're a single coil guy. It, single coils have hum. More hum, and that hum, to me, when it when it, when they play, there there is a there is a completely different tone. Um, and I've played noiseless and I played regular. And this is a guy that does not play a lot of. But I don't. I played a strap for years and years. Still got mine, but I changed out the pickups. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I see this guitar. It's Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. Anybody that sees it goes, "What the." Yeah, that, why this is like a strat for people who don't like strats that's what it is <laughs> it's a strat for people who like les pauls um and it, it's <laughs> but um it, it's the thing is that that um i was going for a noiseless sound and you know what i found out that's not a strat you want a strat get a strat no if no you wanna, it, you, and it, well these were these were seymour duncans from 2000 and i think i got this 2003 that's yeah. when I did the work. And they've been yeah. getting better. I mean, I honestly, yeah. like DeMarcio's got a set of noiseless pickups right now that are really good. Right. Um, in that I think it's the area set. Um, those are good pickups. Uh the injectors, which are the uh Paul Gilbert set are good too. Oh, yeah, you know who really impressed me? The damn Ingve Malmsteen uh Seymour Duncans. Those were really? good pickups and I could not tell much of a difference. I could tell a difference, but not much. Between um noiseless and mm-hmm. and those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> again, um I, but you can't say 
equivocally, unequivocally like he is, that noiseless and and regular pickups are going to sound the same. That's not the case. No, it's, yeah, but- I, I think what I think what he's doing is playing law of averages, and it's like, oh well, it's maybe a three percent difference, so it's not that big a deal. I would say noiseless versus regular single coils is probably more like a ten percent difference in the sound of the pickup, which is like four percent in the sound of the guitar itself. You know, depending on how you feel about it. Um, and I guess that's a totally subjective thing too, because I know some people really care about their pickup selection a lot more than others. Yep. Um, and honestly, that's bullshit. Like if you're going to sit there and you're going to pretend like they, it doesn't matter to me, so it shouldn't matter to anyone. Yep. You're on crack. Exactly. <laughs> and, and of course he did the tone what thing, but before, and before I get to the last one, I'm going to say one more that he had in there. And that was, American-made guitars are the only good guitars out there. And or actually, he didn't say this. He's saying that that's what people say, and that there's no import guitars that are good. I don't, I don't think, think anybody. anybody believes, says I don't think that. anybody believes that I anymore. Don't know, I don't know where that's that a long dead myth, that's and I think long. it's been dead for ten years or so at this point. Absolutely. Um, when people started looking at Korean guitars, is like Korea is the new Japan. Uh, it became really clear that no one cared anymore. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, Japan became the new America, right? I mean, as far as making guitars, make awesome guitars over there still do. Yeah. Like there's Um, that Capernaum or whatever, that one company, they make good stuff. Um, And then there's now there's Korean guitars that are coming out. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And Indonesia is slowly becoming the new Korea. My GNLs are out of and, Indonesia and they're freaking great. <laughs> and China is now the new Indonesia because Ooh, my GNLs. Yeah, because because China's the one that's now learning. Um, so the last <laughs> it's one, debatable. It's debatable. Well, <laughs> I got I got a Chinese guitar that makes that very debatable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you gotta give you gotta give credit where credit's due with the changes you've made. You've got to give it a little bit of credit. Yeah, they just need to buy better fucking hardware. <laughs> exactly. But you know that's going to happen. That always happens. No, because they they're they not going to import hardware. They're going to continue to make pot metal. Every time there's a new... You're right. Um, and there's still shit coming out of, Amer- of America. There's still yeah. still people out there buying crap parts, putting them, getting, putting them together in America going, look at that, my made in the USA guitar. Now pay me $1,300 for it. Yeah. And really... All that the person did was order parts from China. Yeah, he got his Chinese <laughs> metal parts and, and his Chinese body and his Chinese neck. And probably probably literally bought a Chinese guitar, took it apart, put it back together. And say, it's a Reshaped the headstock and then said, hey, here you go. Yeah. A little bit of sandpaper here. I got this. Are All you right. talking about Nicholas Olson? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So uh, the last one, which, which is something we, we planned on talking about tonight. Um, string gauge. So there's this. I don't know if it's new. There's a. There's the other than the tone wood debate and the pickups debate, the vintage classic, and all these other debates. The the strings. I'm gonna drop some blasphemy on people during this. So just so everybody knows, it's gonna be some blasphemy. All right. So there is there is a tipping point to this. Just like there's a tipping point to everything, and I'm gonna say it. So everybody says. Heavy, heavy gauge strings, more tone. And light gauge strings have no tone. And then the first thing that the light gauge people say is, who? Who do they, who do they bring up when they say light gauge? Are they, oh, the light gauge? I don't know. They can use anybody, but Billy Gibbons is one they always bring up. Billy Gibbons. 
who, um, play, who plays six and a half. <laughs> right. Who plays like sevens. Yeah. Six and a half actually. Yeah. And um, of course, then when you come up from that, Paul Gilbert. Yeah. So who plays eights or nines? Um, uh, Steve Vai, who for the most part plays nines. He's a nine guy. Uh, Ingve is an eights dude. Yeah. Um, is an eight guy. And then it just goes up the gamut until you get to Stevie Ray, who's like Hercules and plays in like 13s and flat tuning. <laughs> well, right. And, and the thing that people forget is number one, he was tuned down. And number two, he didn't actually use a full pack of 13s. He used certain strings out of it. He hybrid said it was his own so that he could get what he felt was more tone out of those. Instruments. I think it was, I think it was more of a balanced tension type arrangement. Probably. Where, because so there's a couple of things that, that you got to understand about his guitar. Anybody who plays a guitar like that and has worn it out and had it refretted as many times as he did, I, the neck is not standard anymore. No. And so for him to get the right tension and the balance and everything, he was probably playing around with different string gauges. So it would play correctly. And the other thing that um, uh, I want to remind people of is he was a very physical player. Anyone that has gone on to play his style of music correctly knows that you are really banging yeah, the crap. There, there are only, I can think of two people I've seen that can actually play like he did, yeah. which is just manhandle the fuck out of the guitar. Yeah. And uh, he made that good thing. I, I know this is, this is kind of a sexist parlance, but he made that guitar his bitch. <laughs> I mean, he did. Yeah, <laughs> and he there's beat, no debating that. <laughs> he beat the crap out of that thing. And, and so um, I remember, and I don't know if this is one of those people, but it doesn't really matter. It's just what he said. John Mayer, when he did the um, the Stevie Ray the Bond thing, when he went, when he toured with Double Trouble a few years ago, he um he said straight up, he said, "I have never been more exhausted, you know, than having to try to play his stuff all night, every night, you know? and failing at it, no less, because and, he's not one of those guys that I was talking I about. I didn't say he was. That's why well, I said I'm it. saying it. I'm not. Hey, you can have your opinion all you want. This is my. I don't opinion. have one. He can't. I, Right. I, I don't have an opinion because to me, Stevie, Stevie Ray Vaughan was kind of a one of a kind guy. Yeah, he is. And he very much was. Um, the guy that comes to mind for me, if you want to check out somebody who can play like Stevie Ray does, and yeah. probably goes a little bit beyond because he's way more into Hendrix than he is um, Stevie Ray, is uh, uh, Philip Sacy, who is um, yeah. a car player from Lissa Etheridge for a number of years and also for. Um, uh, lap steel player, I can't remember his name. Died a few years back. But anyway, yeah, go check out his stuff. Uh, that guy's a monster. And uh, honestly, if anybody was going to be the reincarnation of Stevie Ray, it would probably be him. But uh, just because he's got so much, like I, uh, the way he plays is just physically aggressive. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. There are certain people. I mean, um, Jimmy Page, David Gilmore, Jimi Hendrix, obviously um, Stevie Ray Vaughan. There are certain people you can go, I, like when I would hear Alex Lifeson, it didn't matter what he was doing. I, oh, that's Alex Lifeson. It didn't matter that he wasn't playing for Rush or whatever. I could always tell it was him. There's just certain players that you could always tell was them. When I heard Just da or Let's Dance by David Bowie, I said, that's not David Bowie. That's Stevie Ray Vaughan. But a lot of guys were like, oh, no, that's David Bowie. I saw the video. Oh, good. So David Bowie stood on a mountain and played that, that part. With gloves on. <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> the other, um, so there's this whole thing of people wanting to play heavy gauge strings with, with a wound G. Now, yeah, if I'm playing my acoustics, I've got a wound G all day. 
Why? Because I need that resonance. I need it to, to vibrate that um, pop. But I, I don't need that on this. <laughs> can, I, can I commit blasphemy? Sure, go for it. You don't need a wound G on, a, on an acoustic. Oh, all right. Because I've been doing it without a wound G for a really long time. And honestly, I love being able to play just like I do on my electric on my acoustic guitars. Um, now, if you're going to mic it, or if you're expecting it to sound good unplugged, eh, you're probably in for a shock. But it's not as bad as people will tell you it is. Um, you're better off to go to one of these places like Stringjoy and get them to make you a set with, with an unwound G for that um, than to go and like try to roll your own set. I actually put a, I used to buy electric strings. I'd buy like 13s and I'd throw them on an acoustic guitar. That's how I used to do it. Um, they sounded like shit at first, but when you're using a piezo bridge, you don't hear the string. You don't hear this brass or phosphor bronze or anything like that. You know what you hear? You're a fucking string vibrating a bridge. That's what you hear. Absolutely. And that's, I think that's what people, you know, some folks do. They, they don't think about the fact that in, a, in a, an acoustic, uh, uh, unless you're using a piezo system, talk about an acoustic as an acoustic. They go pick up a 1930s Martin. What makes that sound? What, what exactly is making that sound? Folks? It's the top, mostly. It is the top. Mostly. What is it doing? And even the, right. I've even well, seen some stuff recently. There was a, a published scholarly article where they were talking about, they actually took and one builder, make like five or six guitars with different, yep. different back and uh, side woods. Yep. And then they had people test them and nobody could tell the fucking difference. Yep. So. Because, because the top is your speaker. That's right. And the reason for all these bracings, these X bracings, Y bracings and bracings and spiderweb bracings and all these bracings is to make it so the top vibrates in, in um, uh, sympathy or empathy, whatever yeah, you want to so call it, with the strings. Way. Sympathetic vibration, thank you. Sympathetic vibration with the strings, which is why <clears throat> it is so important that your nut and your tuners and your, you know, your bridge and your saddle and everything else in that acoustic is so perfect and so balanced and so dead on. Because if you start losing vibrations to those things, that right, right. And this is something that Paul Reed Smith has talked about. He uses a very acoustic philosophy for building electric guitars, and this is the same idea. They also build they build acoustics too, but yeah. Um, obviously started with with the electrics and their whole philosophy was we need to be able to get the most to come out of each individual piece so that we can preserve the original tonality that's there right and i mean it's an it's it's a no-brainer to think well you know the electric guitar is actually an acoustic instrument i know people think it's not but it is an acoustic instrument and the acoustic guitar has the same principles that guide it right the other thing I, I, I want to say about before we start talking about the actual string gauge conundrum yeah. um, is that on, on acoustic guitar, um, your string gauges matter more. And it's because your string gauges, your guitar is under tension, right? right. And if, you, if your guitar is not under the proper amount of tension, yep, that it's engineered for. It's not going to resonate. Right. Exactly. It's not, that, the acoustic guitar doesn't have a tension adjustment. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like on electric guitar, you're basically setting the tension by setting your, your intonation and your yep. action and your, you know, you've got all these different adjustments that you can do on electric. You, can, you don't do on you can, 
not do right. Right. For the most part. I'm sure there's some guy going to jump no, out. There's and, a, well, and there's a, there are guitars out there that have adjustable saddles on acoustics and stuff yeah. like that. And then I understand. What's that, what's that one company that has like a, a the um, the bridge that's like a big. Oh, uh, they, with the, the strings that go off and like attached yeah. places on there. I forget offhand. I was looking at them recently and I think they, they the guy that designed that also has something to do with uh, electric guitars too, but I can't remember what the whole thing was. Yeah. Um, either he designed somebody, a pickup or something. Yeah, somebody might have him somewhere. I don't remember. But here's, but here's the thing. This is this is my take on why tone woods matter. The wood itself is not what makes... Uh, we ain't talking about tone woods yet. We're, we're getting I'm, there, Jim. I'm getting there. Hold on. Because I... Because we're we're talking about the the string vibrating in the in the oh. all right well we're we're talking about the string vibrating right all right, all right if I take a you know if I take a string and I have a certain amount of tension you're right everybody's right that string is vibrating it it, it I know the physics folks there's a magnet there's a coil the string vibrates in there changes the magnetic um uh, uh you know over the coil and that's what's being picked up is that change um in the magnetic field i get that bigger okay? strings have a bigger magnetic field etc right all that crap i i understand it. i honestly do but <clears throat> this is why i'm saying that tone woods matter it, it may be it may be minuscule okay but if all things and this is why paul reed smith sees this way sees it this way he sees guitars as a subtractive instrument right mm -hmm. so Everything, everything on that guitar is subtracting from the string continuing to vibrate. Sorry if I seem like I'm uninterested. I'm, I'm busy playing with my nut. You put, he's busy playing with his nut. He only has one nut, folks. Yeah, I'm, I'm down and to one at hands. this point. I'm down, to one, I'm down to one at this point, and it's in my hands. It's a, uh, there's two screws in a nut. Um, <laughs> wow, your wife will be disappointed. Uh, so, yeah, she's going to have a problem. <laughs> So, um, so all I'm saying is, and I know you're, you're not this, you're not, you're not disillusioned and you'll probably say something similar, but because it's subtractive, that wood and those different woods are going to allow that string to do different things because that's what it's freaking bolted to. Mm -hmm. It's what it's stuck in. If you stuck it in mud or you stuck it in metal, it's going to be different. Those resonances are going to be different. And here's the other thing I'm going to. I am going to argue is you can say all day long that it, two pieces of two guitars sound exactly the same with the exact same stuff in them. That's bullshit because you can pick up two strats or two SGs or two Les Pauls or two Telecasters in the same store with the same exact made in the same year, made in the, you know, all that made, stuff. Made the same day, even in some cases. And that, and what they sound different. How the hell did that happen? It does happen. Oh, but it's because the pickups aren't adjusted, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody came in. And blah, blah, blah. Oh, come on. You know, can I, have the, can I have the floor? Yes. It's all yours. All right. So to back up, we were talking about strings on acoustic yes. guitars. We're talking about wound G's and stuff. Yes. Look, I, I, I had a conversation with a, with a listener contributor to the show, yep. and he brought up that, you know, oh, like I should, I should try a wound G. Look, on his electric? Wound G is not my thing on an electric guitar. Oh. It is never going to be my thing. And I am not in any hurry to try it. No. Um, and there's a reason for it. And I'm not trying to frustrate or upset anyone. Um, I just want to point out that, look, 
the electric guitar, as long as I've been alive, has been sold without a Wow and G. I had a guy come into a guitar store that I frequent recently around here and bitch because there were no Wow and Gs on their electrics. I'm not fucking kidding. This person showed up and said, all electrics are supposed to come with wound G's. What are you guys doing around here? What? I'm not kidding. The guy must have never picked up an electric guitar in his life. But exactly. man, he sure thought he had. Um, That's and his dad plays for Sepulchre. We got to get we got to get Pat on here because because yep. Pat Pat has some stories like this that will knock your socks off. He has some stories that just I'm I I'm still like scratching my head about. Um. Anyway, so. <laughs> We had uh, uh we, this guy's like, oh, Wound G. L- listen, Wound G's, if you want to use them on acoustic guitar, I think that's a great idea. There are certain electric guitars that were designed with a Wound G in mind, Jazz Masters being, being a perfect example. Um, I could definitely see using like flat wounds with a Wound G or like jazz and that kind of stuff. But yeah, but that's, <clears throat> let me just, let, let you're me getting say very specific niches. That's my right. point. That's niche. And the and the jazz master, which um, which although it took off in the in the uh, surf scene, was um, was more um, obviously that was an answer to Gibson, right? By its name, it was supposed to be the answer to the Gibson, and be hey, look at us, we can do a jazz guitar too, um, even though there were jazz guys already playing Kellys. Yeah, they should have <laughs> they they should have taken note of that. Um, so, but it, but but nevertheless. Wow, G, that's your thing. I'm not mad at you. I don't understand it. And right. that's fine. Um, right. I don't have to understand it. I know I like my Unwound G and I will continue to play them for the rest of my life. But um, but the reason for a jazz guy or gal to play um with a heavier, well, with heavier straight gauge in the and the thing is because typically they're like a jazz master, you've got a shorter scale. Um but even in an ES-335, you don't have a longer scale, or you have a longer scale, and, th- and a Birdland. Um, but you two more sliding than bending. That's what I was just going to say. If you're a true jazz guy and you're playing traditionalist jazz, you're not doing a lot of bending. Yeah. You're more on the classical side of like how you approach the guitar. Yep. I am not that guy. Nope. I, if, if you told me I couldn't bend on my G-string, I would probably panic and die, like right there on the spot. I would be like, nope, can't get through this solo. Nope. Uh, this is not going to happen. Um, and actually, when I play an acoustic guitar with a wound G, it's very comical. Um, I have been I have been challenging myself <laughs> to do this more and more, and it I it's just straight up funny. Um, I try <laughs> try. Um, I I hate so this one here that you can't see. It's kind of out of right there. That's a twelve string. Um, I, I tend to play my twelve string. I used to do Nashville tuning. Well, it's a modified Nashville tuning. It's kind of like what David Gilmore did in Comfortably Numb. And long before Comfortably Numb came around, I used to do this. You pull, you pull the um, secondary strings off the, the heavier, because you don't need that. And, it, and so it, it creates a different kind of a, a chorusy effect. Than, yeah, a lot of people don't. I mean, it's like a 12-string. They'll play it like an 8-string. So what yep. they'll, they'll put... You know, the bottom four will have doubles and yes lower two will be just flat bass notes that's correct that's absolutely right and it, and it gives it a different singing quality right um, well you get a you get a clean bass is yep. what's nice yep. about it because otherwise it kind of gets muddy especially if you're playing 
um, like I used to do. I could do a well. I could do a well G on a twelve on a twelve string guitar. Like yeah, that wouldn't bother. You're me. not going to bend it. Yeah, you got bend shit on a twelve string. You're not bending. Those things do not bend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, have- I I've played many a twelve string and I have successfully bent notes. But I'll tell you, you're not supposed to. <laughs> I have thirteens on that thing. <laughs> they do not feel right when you bend them. It feels like the guitar is going to break. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty bad. And this guitar is old. It's checked everywhere. It's been beaten up. Luckily, it's an it's an ovation. Uh, so it the back is one of those uh, resin backs. Yeah, because because uh, if not, the guitar would be in pieces. Oh yeah, it would have already <laughs> broken a million times over. The only wood on it is the top and the um, believe it or not, the bridge is wood. <laughs> Saddle is uh, is in need of replacement, but it's bone. I have a bone nut and uh, obviously a wooden neck. Um, yeah, if, when I bend a string, when I do try to bend a string, like I'll do America on it or something like that, that thing fights me bad. And I've literally gone numb in the hand. Oh, yeah, to- yeah, I know the feeling. Um, so, yeah, so to bring it back, uh, strings, you know, we did a string challenge. One of these days we'll get the actual clips out. <laughs> someday this is becoming a running gag on the somebody, show. Somebody needs to send those things up. I might I might have to put put mine uh put mine up without Jim's approval. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um I, so yes, they do they do matter a little bit. It it I mean it's probably one of the most insignificant things that you can do with a guitar. Yeah. But uh you know, I could see like that being an argument that's important to somebody's style think, or whatever. Okay. But now when you talk about tone wood. We watched that video from uh, um, um, the company that makes all the replacement parts. Oh, Warmoth. Warmoth. But before you go to Tonewood, I want to say something about string gauges, and I'll drop right. it. It also has to do with some people with certain genres. You need tension. It is not about tone. It is about tension. And if you're dropping really far, you need some people need larger strings. To get that, even Steve um, uh, Steve Vai said he puts tens on when he drops, mm-hmm. but he plays nines all the time. It's only because he's dropping the tuning. And even even he says, "I don't really like tens, but I have to play them for those gauges because I don't get the tension I need from the from the nines." That's I run, the, um, that's where I'll leave it. I run tens on everything, uh, basically, even the Gibson scales. I don't I don't mess around putting elevens on Gibsons. You know, like it's just not my thing. Anyway. So um, we all watched the uh, the warm off video that, that was posted in the group. That's what this is a response to the to that yep. commentary. This whole episode has been kind of a response to that commentary, right? And um, what they did in the clip, if you haven't seen it yet, is they took a they took a Telecaster body unfinished, they put electronics in it, they put a pick guard in it, yep. and then they swapped the neck and all the electronics into different bodies of different types. Three different bodies. I think they did ash. Alder yep. and, and uh, mahogany, mahogany, yep. right? Yes. Um, and the differences were noticeable. Um, yep. I don't. I didn't even bother to watch the clip on my my uh, studio monitors. I watched it in my iPhone. I could hear the difference. I said, "No need." This confirms what I already knew. Um, yep. And <laughs> the pieces of wood that they presented were basically in the same vein as what you think these woods sound like, based on descriptions you'd see in various places on the web. Yep. Um, the interesting thing about the the video to me is that I would have liked to see a control where they took two different ash bodies or two different alder bodies 
or two different mahogany body and said, okay, so this is this mahogany body and this is this one. Because I have a feeling there's almost as much variance between different pieces of mahogany yep. and even different species of mahogany than yep. there is between, you know, going to a different variety. Exactly. I think that, right. And that comes into um, certain things about the mass and, the, and again, the subtractive qualities above the wood. Because, um, let's Mass, face it, density, like, there's a lot of yeah, things. Yeah. Like that. yeah. And that, and that's exactly, you, you're speaking directly to what I was about to say. Um, so <clears throat> if a, if a piece of wood, they're all dried. Those who, those who don't know, wood goes through a drying process. To get yeah. Some are not, it, some are more dry than others for sure. That's what I was going to say. Some are more dry than others. Some have a better quality after being dried than others. Um, which I think sometimes like, People go, oh, gee, my my guitar cracked. I've never dropped it better. Obviously, that you know that piece of wood wasn't as good as you know. But but again, you get to grains, and you get all kinds of things. But the, but the but the point is, like David was saying here, is that it is very possible, probably super possible, especially if you do buy into the tone wood debate, which I I do, and um, you know I've heard. Uh, um, several pros talk about, you know, who have played thousands of guitars. I mean, a Joe Bonamassa guy, you say what you want about him. Yeah, dude, he's an expert at this point. Guitars. He's exactly. played more guitars than anybody else that we know. He's been doing this like since he was six or eight. And I'm not talking about playing guitar like a day, day, day. I'm talking about the fact that his dad was a guitar buyer and, and seller, and <clears throat> he got to play a lot of stuff. And so, A lot of rare stuff in some cases. Yes. And so in that case, you know, you've seen where, oh, here's 15 guitars, the same, like, like we were talking about, they came from the same factory within a week of each other and they're all, you know, built with these and they sound different. So um, I think th that that would have been a great thing to hear would have been, here's four pieces of wood mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and here's the differences. In them. That would have been cool. Because I, I think that's, I think the myth, you know, we were talking about the guitar myths in that video and I think the myth that's presented is that all species of woods have a, have a indicative tonality that that is a reference point and i think that's completely false i just like all right you can go into the guitar store right now and you can pick up and i'm going to pick on ibanez because i've played this ibanez recently you yep. can pick up the cheapest ibanez rg with a trim which i believe is the ash body one with the with the uh the maple the burl maple veneer or whatever um ugly guitar if you ask me but anyway I digress. It's a big fat ash body. And yep. it is, I have not found one that doesn't weigh north of like right. 12 pounds. I mean, yeah. they're heavy as hell. That's right. Um, and and I, I, I now I go to the store and it's one of the first guitars I pick up because I want to see if I can find one that's lighter. It would be yeah. interesting to find one that's like lighter. And then do a side by side. Yeah, yeah. And um and and because a lot of, like a lot of guitar centers around here they have two of them, or they have three right. of them because right. they're the they're the popular cheap RG. Right. So, um, my my ash body guitar that's on the wall here is similar, not quite as heavy as as those. It's heavy. Yeah. Um, it's not like a, a basswood body or anything like that. And um, I have heard. And and have played several ash body guitars that were feather light. Mm -hmm. And from what I understand, ash is waterlogged. When they yep. get it, that's why they call it swamp ash. 
Yep. They're getting these logs out of swamps and rivers and reclaimed places and or, or and or any place really where ash has been used and been and been exposed to water. And then they're baking it. And if they don't bake it long enough, it's fucking heavy. Right. And it's not going to be unheavy for 30 or 40 years until all of that wood evaporates out of that guitar. And if you slap a poly finish on it, I, it's right. never going to evaporate because it's watertight. <laughs> yep. um, so I guess what I'm trying, what I'm trying to get at part of the reason why people are into ash guitars. I know that there's a lot of people like, Oh, well, that's the way they used to make them from Fender and whatever. Look, they did make guitars out of ash. Not every guitar they made was out of ash, but they kind of got coveted. I think because of the lower wood more than the, the tonality and so um now we got these guys like oh well the tone of ash is so great ibanez is making guitars out of ash and they weigh like 14 pounds and they're acting like this is a premium thing it's nuts it's absolutely psychotic who wants to wear a brick around their neck for two hours a night right it's right. ridiculous yeah, um, no it is ridiculous and it's silly and yeah. And the the truth is, any ash guitar versus any other ash guitar, they're all going to sound different. You can't tell me that a waterlogged piece of ash isn't going to sound different than a dried piece of ash. That's ridiculous. It Absolutely. not going to resonate the same way because water is an acoustic medium. And since you were talking about the fact that the ones you, um, you were picking up from Ibanez are heavier, do you think they have more or less water in them? <laughs> what do you think, Jim? What do you think? I'm guessing exactly. there's probably more. A lot more. <laughs> Why? Because right. the fact that, that they don't dry them as much because it's cheaper. You well, got to get that wood through. That's part of it. And I, I think also, so Ibanez guitars are coming from the Far East. And yeah. I think I think they're probably using ash species that are native to their region. <laughs> um, and it may just be that that ash, even when dried, has a it might be. higher water content yeah. than, uh, and, and it could also be that it's just more dense. Yeah. Um, that's a possibility too. I know there are big differences between Karina, which is African yep. mahogany, and yep. uh, the mahogany you would get here in the States. Yep. You know, that like for furniture grade mahogany here from here in the States. Yep. They're fundamentally different woods. Um, they get called that because they're i guess they're similar in grain structure or something um but really i mean if you've seen a piece of, of uh arena um specifically the bark wood on karina is highly figured whereas right, right. the internal stuff is very much like mahogany yep, yep. so uh but you know it, it, all things being equal i think we all owe ourselves to educate ourselves on this to at least kind of have some ideas about the stereotypes because let's face it, who designed those stereotypes? The builders designed those stereotypes. Why did they design those stereotypes? Well, if you're a builder and you want to make sure your customer gets what they want, you need to have a stereotype so you can say, you want a warmer guitar? Typically, mahogany is going to give you a warmer sound. Right. And so that's why these things exist. It's Absolutely. not a sales tactic. It's not, I mean, look, this is for our benefit. If it wasn't for our benefit, it wouldn't have persisted for 55 or 60 well, years. And again, uh, you know, somebody might argue, well, you guys are quoting from a Warmoth um, uh, video and they sell stuff. Yeah, but they showed they showed three bodies they use and they showed, hey, there are three biddies and there are three differences. Which one do you like? 
that's the one you'll buy. There's, it's no skin off air nose whether you buy the one that was that was. It's, that's that's completely relevant anyway. You can do the same test yourself. Yeah, by well, walking into a guitar store and buying three of the same guitar and swapping the electronics. It's not hard to replicate that test, and yep. plenty of people have done it. Just yep. because there's not a YouTube video with with some guy talking. I'm going to characterize some of these tone wood doesn't matter videos. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna do one of these videos. And you're going to put up these like fake ass acoustic charts and you're going to yeah. act like you've got a spectrum an- analyzer running to actually <laughs> analyze the spectrum of audio frequencies coming in from these two pickups. I yeah, I want to on my bench. I like, want to see two things. I want to see the spectrum analyzer and I want to see the calibration and I want to see the date. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that was my initial reaction. I'm like, okay, so you're using scientific tools, but you're not yeah. showing us that this is actually hooked up. The analyzer, yeah, exactly. number one. You're not showing us that this is a live feed of your spectrum analyzer. Right. You're not showing us any of the shit that actually matters. You could be running fucking white noise through it with an exactly. equalizer to make it look kind of like a guitar signal. And that's yeah. probably what some of these guys have done because what they want to see happen is they want to see the builders to get the wind taken out of their sails. So when they're going around and they're and they're selling their Karina or their um I'm t- I'm trying to think like really fancy because I was Koa. Koa. Uh, Koa is a really popular one right now. Yep. Um, uh, what do you call our rosewood? Brazilian rosewood. Yeah, yeah. Versus- so they want, what what they want to see is that all of these woods come down in price, and if they can artificially create an environment where people don't give a shit about wood, that's right. Then, then they can bring the price down on the wood, right? Which is and ridiculous. then they can buy it because here's the thing about well, at least I do know of two of those build those people that, um, especially was it Will's guitar, Will's Easy guitar, um. Yeah. This is a guy who was buying wood and selling it and wasn't able to buy certain woods because it was expensive. He had a, he had a personal mission. Folks. What? Will CZ Guitar was he was a scam? What? Who would have thought? You're kidding me. That and guy, he's also one of those guys who was taking orders and not fulfilling them. Yes. Um, and then crying, oh, I've never had time to do Some the, people just the like to stir the, stir the pot. They may know they're wrong. They may not was, know they're wrong. They that was Scott. They're right name? too. Yeah, that was Scott. What's his name? The one that would sit there and call everybody wrong about everything. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I I just want to point out this is this is this comes back to a couple of different arguments. I'm going to try to I'll try to distill it in some different ways so that so that you can understand where I'm coming from. Which is that look, when you look at these things like Tonewood, they exist as a tool right. to talk to your customers. And if your customers aren't happy because you're lying to them, that tool goes away. Look at any tool in any industry that is that has persisted the way that the Tonewood quote unquote myth has persisted. If yep. this were really not true, it, it would have been obvious years ago. You don't pull the wool over an entire population's eyes and get away with it. Yep. Um, I know people that you know. There's a conspiracy theorist out there that believe that the government's out to try and kill us all, and they're doing all these things to make that happen. Look. With I'm going to err on the side of caution here, and I'm going to say, if you have to have a conspiracy where every man, woman, and child in the United States is involved except for you, that yep. that's a problem because that's not really a conspiracy. That doesn't mm-hmm. exist. That's, that's well, that is professional help. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's, that's borderline a- where we're at with, with yeah. Tonewood. I mean, th- th- this, this idea that Tonewood doesn't matter. I'm not saying that species of Tonewood matters, but I'm saying every piece of wood that you select and put into a guitar does have an impact on the tone. 
Does it have a severe impact? We've talked about the hierarchy of tone on here. That's totally subjective. Um, I would, I would say for my needs. Yes. I think, I think the wood matters a lot. I think it more or less matters that I get a quality piece of wood to begin with less. So about the species, I pick the species based on what I want the guitar to look like because ultimately alder mahogany i see those as two different ends of the spectrum uh, spectrum uh with maple being even further down the alder side like correct beyond it um and i think that i tend to because i've been playing strats so long i tend to err more on that side now i have a mahogany body stratocaster right now and it does sound fundamentally different it's a little richer and warmer than my ash body or my uh, basswood body or my, I think my other one's older body too. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, honestly, like I hear the differences and they are somewhat stereotypical, Yeah. but I have also heard guitars that are made out of mahogany that you could have told me that it was made out of mahogany. And I would have sit there and laughed in your face and been like, there's no fucking way on earth. That this is mahogany. It sounds yeah. like this. And it, 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 um, for me, um, you know, obviously this blue guitar, uh, called to me because of a color, but when I played it, cause if I played it and it sounded and felt like shit, I wouldn't have kept it, but I love, I love the guitar. Um, and my, the two Paul Reed Smiths, honestly, the look had something to do with it. Yeah, that gets you to pick it up. That gets you to play it. But I love the feel of them. I love the sound of them. They are mahogany. Maple cap. I mean, it's the it's the standard mahogany maple yeah, cap. Well, one of them has a cap. One of them has a veneer. Right. Well, it has a cap with a veneer over it. Oh, that's right. They do the cap with a veneer over it. You're right. Yeah. You are right. You are correct. Well, I was wondering. I was like, we can't really hear the cap, can we? <laughs> I was going to go and, down that road, but yeah. No, so I really- yeah. <clears throat> so and, and I have no idea if that maple cap does something or doesn't do something. Okay. And the depth of that cap, I, I honestly don't. But I do know that when I picked them up, I played them. I played them through my rig. I liked them, and I love them enough that I, that they've stayed around. And this guy stayed. I, I have a question, Jim. Yeah. Does hide glue matter? I think that it does. I saw a raging <laughs> argument, especially if you're going to sniff it. Years and years ago, I saw a raging argument on the gear page about how you had to have hide glue on your oh, Gibson. I remember that. And I, I, I've kept it with me all these years in the back of my mind that the, the fucking glue you're using on your guitar to put it together might have an impact, but I'll bet you it doesn't matter. I will bet you it's so insignificant that to me it will not matter. I, I will say there was a, um, so I, I'm going back to the bulletin board days. Yeah. There was a bulletin board thing on Harmony Central. Does anybody remember Harmony yep, Central? Yep, I was on Harmony Central. You probably flamed yep, me back in the day. I was David. I was Gilmore fan on Harmony Central. I think I was Gilmore fan 01 or something like that. Anyway, so this would have been 2001 to 2009. That's about the time that I was really active on Harmony Central. Yep. <laughs> I, I was on there a lot. And somebody had mentioned the, uh, the glue type. Um, and, oh, my God. And I was on TalkBase. I had TalkBase forum and that stuff. Okay, yeah. But... but let me tell you, and it was everybody had to have a badass bridge. Oh, yeah, I remember that bridge mass and the and that the headstock debate. We could do, you know what, Jim? Huge. Next week we we're gonna do an episode where we talk about tone trends. 
like yeah. things that have happened in our lifetimes sure. that like have just kind of fizzled out and just been ridiculous. All right, I'm going to give you one that was so ridiculous, but we'll talk more about it that week. There was in the 70s, there was a there was a discussion in the in a group that I was involved in. Now this wasn't a, this wasn't an online group, folks. This was no. long before I, I I did this paint paint versus um, satin versus uh, uh, poly. Oh my gosh! The oh painted gosh. guitar to paint. Somebody, it's for real, bro. It's for real. <laughs> so um, I just want to give a shout out. First I'm of all, reverb uh, messages. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, to the group, um, I want to th- say thanks to Nick Bongers for allow uh, giving us that uh, that long myth thing because he was the one that put that in there. Yeah, you gave us an hour of show content, <laughs> I and, and I wasted an hour of my life talking <laughs> about it. That's right. Good I got to play with my nut. Once again, and he did. Um, I want to say thanks to uh, Michael Newman um, talking about the uh, PRSCE24 um, and, uh, that he got from Philip McKnight. He actually bought Philip McKnight's CE24 yeah, yeah. from him. Really I, cool. I mean, obviously, we're, we're bound to run into somebody like that. I want to um, also um, thank everybody who's so active in the group. Um, and, uh, you know, Jay, uh, obviously one of the Jay Wells is obviously one of the, and congratulate Jay Wells on his, uh, RG three fifty. Oh no. His, uh, I, I think he was playing a mirror. Wasn't he playing a mirror? I don't remember. I think that's a mirror. Might be. So <clears throat> yeah. PRS mirror. I think so. With dot inlays. <gasps> yeah. That sounds like a mirror. Yep. Um, looking nice. Yep, that's PRS custom uh, Mira. Um, it's a, I think that's a Mira. But anyway, really nice, really nice. Um, he he said uh, David and Jim have inspired me in a couple of ways. The whole year of no gear has made me want to go and do it. But as they focus, it forces me to look inward at your gear. Um, I have I have some some observations to make about your no gear. We got yeah. a few seconds. So the one thing it has had me do is I think a lot more critically about money I'm going to spend. And even I, you know, I, I was gung ho on getting another drive pedal to replace the uh, pinnacle. And I think, um, I think I'm just gonna let the pinnacle go. I honestly, I just pocket money and, and hang on to it for gear later. But it's just one of those things where it's like, what am I going to do with another drive pedal? Like, seriously? I mean, yes, if I start playing open mics, it might be worth it. But yeah. um, I think I can get by without it. I think I don't, I don't think I necessarily need it. Like, I can figure something else out. I'll get a blues driver. It's like 60 bucks. And then I'll just hit it with my, uh, my 50-50 or something. Yeah. That's, that's pretty amp-like. Yeah, that, well, the 50 is awesome. Well, the 50-50 is not ampling. 50-50 is like a DOD 250. It's it's yeah. like the opposite of ampling. I thought that's what I was going to say. I thought that's what you said. It was like stack 250s or 250s. Yeah, it's it's two 250s in the same box, but that's like the opposite of amp-like. But if you yeah. slam an amp-like pedal like the Blues Driver with it, yep. then it's, it's going to be in the ballpark and I won't have to spend a bunch of money. Yeah. Um, so I may do that. I don't know. But yeah, you, you get really critical and introspective about what you're going to spend money on. Um, yeah. I was looking and I actually realized I have more guitars now than I've ever had to, to, as of today. 
not including the extra one that's on its way um, sometime in March, I have more guitars right now than I've ever owned, which yeah, I, I and, and they all have a purpose. Like that's, that's the thing. It's not like, Oh, I have a bunch of extras. Cause you know, this one looks cool. And like, no, yeah. they actually have a purpose Absolutely. and it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, now, granted, I need to make my purposes actually mean something, which means I can't well, buy. I, I bought. I bought some things, and I've been like, "Well, I'm going to do this project." So I want to have a guitar that does this, and then I never end up doing that. So exactly. I got to make these things count, and that's and you, part of what 2019. And is. I think that uh, yeah, and I think that's part of what I'm doing in 2019. So I've I've made a promise to myself to get more videos done. So I've been actually working on that. Uh, I did a weird video today. Um, and, uh, I'll be, I'll be putting that up later. I actually had somebody, I sent it to him first as a text. And the person said, you should do an instructional video on that. You do it. You did a good job there. <laughs> and I was like, really? Cause I, you know, it was just a, but sometimes you just do things like that. But anyway, <clears throat> so Jim, um, you saw me bomb the other night. I got to tell you right now, just bomb. You'll be fine. You'll live. I, I was, so uh, I'll say this to everybody. Uh, those who are still listening. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with the fact that I'm still getting a Boss Katana. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask. I was going to. Uh, well, yeah, you knew. I, I think I, we talked about that today, right? Yeah, but you bought the other thing, too. I know. I got the. You said do both. The cabinet and the katana. Yes. So I got the, the cabinet and I'm going to get the katana. And you also bought. That's what happens. We get the electronic G system. Yeah. So I got the G system. Um, and. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, more gigging, more stuff going on. Um, the G system, uh, obviously a lot of programming. I'm actually going to put up some videos. They may or may not get hits, but there are still people out there using those G systems. They are. I, still have, I have a sick plan. Um, and, I, and I'll reveal it on the show. Sure. Our listeners deserve to hear what I'm planning to do. All right. I am really wanting to get a cabinet that can handle 100 watts. So I can buy one of these El Cheapo Randall hundred watt heads that they're selling right now. They're $279, right? Yep. For an RG 1003, which is a hundred watt head, three channels. And it is the most brutal punishing game you've ever heard in your life. And I have some very, very fun content as well as demoing that I want to do. Thing. I want to, awesome. I want to get it and I want to play blues with it yep. and I want to play jazz with it. And I just want to do it so you can prove it can be done. Yeah, and I want to. I, I may. I may sell it off if it's really cool. I might keep it, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, I I think that's golden. So if anybody get, has a line on a good two by twelve cabinet, not yet. I I want to pay off the the incoming guitar first. Yep. Um, if you get a line on one or you have one laying around that I can that either has Celestians in it or I can throw Celestians in it, um. Let me know, because I'm 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 in the market. I'm looking right now. Uh, ro- reached out to Robert Jackson. He recommended yep. Panama. I may I may get a Panama cab. Yep. Um, I if I do, I'm gonna swap the speakers that are in them, um, so that I can put Celestians in it. I might keep the original speakers. We'll see how they sound. Yep. Um, but I want to have a cabinet that sounds like what people expect that cabinet to sound like. So right. That- I can demo with it and people will understand what I'm doing. Uh, so yeah. I'll have something to demo these 100 watt heads. But I actually, I got ballsy today and I sent a message to Randall and I said, you guys are local. 
You guys are up by Buffalo Grove. That's about 40 minute drive from me. Yeah. What's it going to take for me to come up there and be able to pick one of these up from you guys? And wow. Uh, and demo it from you. Um, and I also mentioned that, you know, hey, Robert Jackson is a is a friend of mine. And uh, I'd like to get Robert Jackson in on this action, too. Oh, that'd be and awesome. He demos their Diavolo all the time. He uses yeah. it in his pedal videos. Yeah. And I would love to hook them up so that, you know, uh, maybe when I go down for Gear Fest, I can take them a trunk full of amps. Yeah. And uh, you awesome. can check them out and I'll use them on his channel and either mail them back or uh, drive, I can back down and get them to drive back up here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully Randall will get back to me. Yeah. Uh, well, they'll, they'll get back to you, whether it's positive or negative. Well, it was a funny, it was a funny email. Cause I basically said, we don't take money for reviews. So if you want to do this, like you're basically just going to let us use this stuff for a little bit and then I'll right. bring it back. Like, I don't even, I don't even have to keep it. Like I'll bring it back. Like, trust me, you know, I'll leave right. something with you of value so that you'll know that I'm coming back. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. Um, or I'll, or I'll come do it at their facility. I mean, they're in Buffalo Grove. They're like, they're like forty-five minutes from here. I throw my guitar. Yeah. I can go up. That's what I was gonna say. You and you, Robert comes up your way, and then you guys get in the car and then just keep going. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they do a factory tour, like I'll video the shit out of that too. And they yeah. don't have a factory tour because they're they're made in China, but they have a distribution center and an office. Yeah. Um, yeah. Meet all the people that work up there and all that sort of thing. So yeah, it, it can work out really well. They're they're uh, owned by like U.S music or something some other um company and they have some other brands like washburn yep. stuff like that so um yeah i i'm hoping that something pans out there if you guys know anybody that works at, uh at randall or one of its sister companies put in a good word for us because mm -hmm. uh it'll help that work out and uh hopefully i'll get some good content for the show and uh do some good stuff for randall that they won't have to pay for like they do with the tone king yeah Did i say that out loud whoops <laughs> whoops sorry <laughs> so the question will then okay so i found out i can run both these cabinets at the same time by the way um i have to run them in the 16 ohm output of the amp one so it'll be a 24 ohm cabinet okay. which just means it'll drop some of the you know yeah so but it's got 100 watts so i'm sure i can push them hard um so we'll see and i may what if i if i get rid of one it'll be the Houston cabinet I I'm sure it will be. Yeah. I guarantee that that Mesa cab slays that Houston Kenner. That's going to be the biggie. So guys watch for a, uh, a, uh, comparison. I, comparison. I do. I want to yeah. see like mic'd up. I'm going to mic'd up, um, two different mics, room mic and get, uh, get some sounds. All right. Well, uh, it's, it's a little over two hours tonight, folks. And, um, you guys have been begging, for us to do two hour episodes well here they are they are uh, and and we love doing them yeah i, I have a good time yes. so uh stay out of the hospital if you get the flu you know yes. you're diagnosed and oh. uh yeah everyone have a good one i have been david and i have been jim and we've been we the practical guitarists absolutely